you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Welcome to Move the Sticks presented by New Era. DJ and Bucky here. And Buck, uh, our prototype series, our position prototype series continues. Looking at tight ends today. Look, this is a big-time position because the tight end position has been the new matchup position or mismatch position in the league. Offensive coordinators are finding that if you have a dominant tight end, you can control the middle of the field, you can dictate coverage, you can dominate in the run game, and you really can set up the rest of your weapons to have easier downs because the tight end is the central force. I'm excited that we're going to bring on some guys to talk about the tight ends, guys like Tom Telesco, general manager for the L.A. Chargers. He has a tight end there, Hunter Henry, who is going to be a Pro Bowl player down the line. And then 11-year vet and former first-round pick Anthony Beck also joins us to talk about this marquee position. Ertz back. He is floating it, and it's complete to Ertz. Ertz at the 10. Ertz at the 5. Ertz to the end zone. Another touchdown for Zach Ertz. Here's the snap. Winston looking. Dumps it off. Caught ball. Inside the Watas. Now Tampa Bay. O.J. Howard makes a great grab with a defender hanging on him. Manning on a play fake. Rolls right. Throws for Ingram. He's got it at the 5. He reaches for the pylon. Touchdown, Giants. What a job by Ingram. Nowhere to go. Now to the middle of the field. Touchdown. Rivers to Hunter Henry. And he's high-stepping and celebrating. 
Going to throw it to Kittle on the far side. Kittle's got it. Breaks away down the far side to the 30. Kittle to the 20. Stone cold Kittle. NFL record setting touchdown catch. This is the prototype series. This is the first time you're listening to this series. Uh, keep in mind, we've already got episodes out on the quarterback position, running back, wide receiver, and offensive line. After this episode, we'll get to the defensive side of the ball. But what we've tried to do with this series, Buck, uh, a lot of people are curious about evaluating the position. What do scouts look for? Uh, what's the future hold for this position? Uh, we get a chance to cover all those topics with uh, some wonderful guests like you just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, really excited to talk to the guys that we have on because they bring a level of insight. And we've talked about this position and the way that it's gone. It's really a hybrid position because what you're looking for is a guy that is basically an offensive lineman with the athleticism of a, a wide receiver that can make plays in the passing game. And it's a unique challenge. It's a unique position to scout because it's rare that you can find someone who can do all of those things, dominate and seal the edge in the run game while also being a major factor in the passing game. All right, let's get into a little bit of what we're looking for at the position before we get to our first guest in, uh, in charge with general manager Tom Telesco. Um, Buck, I, I think when you're looking at that position, being a passing league first, obviously – you know, you ideally want somebody that's a two-way guy that can dominate in the run game but can help you out in the passing game. But let's focus on the passing game first. I would say the most important thing is probably just short area quickness at the top of your route. Can you separate there? And then, obviously, you're going to work on a lot of traffic at that position. So, to me, I think contact strength is another thing I really look at. You talked about those things. I believe athleticism and versatility really comes into play. Uh, we've seen so many former basketball players in college kind of make their way to the tight end position because there are a lot of similarities. Being able to post up, play with bodies on you and around it. You talk about contact balance. Can you put guys on the hip so the quarterback can throw it away from that guy? Uh, do you have a great feel and spatial awareness in the red zone? Uh, being able to kind of play the alley-oop game if you have to. And then the overall toughness, because it's tough dealing in traffic, dealing with linebackers and safeties, those enforcers over the middle of the field. Are you tough enough to kind of go in there and make those tough catches when you need it, particularly on those big downs, money downs, third down, red zone, when you really need a big play? I think another area that's, that's maybe more important now and going to be more important in the future is run after catch at the tight end position. It used to be a lot of times you're working in traffic, you're working in seams, it's catch, absorb contact, and go down. Now you're seeing these guys, look, we can get, we can get you the ball right now, get it in your hands. Now you've got one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Can you, can you get away from somebody? Can you make a miss? Can you run away from them? Can you run over them? I think that run after the catch may be more important now than it was 10, 15 years ago. Oh, it absolutely. And, and I think that has increased in importance because we've seen these guys that have come over and been able to give that to an offense, and it changes the way that you have to play. When you're able to have a dominant tight end that not only can run all the routes in the route tree and do the things over the middle field, but he can take those catch-and-run plays and turn them into big first downs or explosive plays, it adds a dimension to the offense that is really tough for the defense to account for. All right, run game. Uh, we got a chance this last year to see somebody, you know, TJ Hawkinson, oh, who, who can dominate. Dominate, dominate in the run game. But most of the time, we're seeing these college tight ends, they're, they're flexed out. Very few of these guys uh, living with their hand in the ground and really not asked to do a lot in the run game. So uh, for, for guys that are evaluating that position, you don't get to see them do it much. What do you look at? Uh, in the run game, one, I got to see, are they a willing blocker? Meaning, Explain, they, explain that because I think oh, people don't uh, understand. A willing that. blocker because sometimes when you get a tight end, a tight end is really a jumbo wide receiver. So when you ask him to put his hand in dirt, he really doesn't want to live that life. So I want a tight end that welcomes the opportunity to be a fixture in the run game. He can take on defensive ends. I'm not saying that he has to be a guy that can move them off the ball. 
but he has to be able to hold his own. Can he control the edge? Can he create a push where if we want to run behind him, it's going to be an asset, not someone that is going to give us problems? And then can he finish? Can he sustain his blocks? Can he run his feet? Can he latch on to his guy and finish him at the end of downs? Because when you get a dominant tight end, like a Rob Gronkowski in the run game, sometimes they can have more value in the run game than they do in the passing game and it allows your offense to really be a balanced and dominant offense. I think you hit on it perfectly. To me, I, I look at, are you willing? You know, are you, are you going to put your face in there a little bit? It might not end great for you in the college game. Guys need to get physically stronger, need to get better technique. I think those things can improve at the NFL level. But just show some level of willingness to get involved there. And then I, the, the scouting term I always come back to is just shield and wall off. Like I, if you can knock somebody off the ball, like those guys, you know, the Hawkinsons come around once every five, six years. I just want somebody, can you just shield and wall them off? Just just get in the way and stay attached. We call it position blocking. Yeah. Just being in a good position where, look, if the ball is running inside, I can turn. I can make sure that I keep the defender outside so there's a lane for the running back to run inside of me. If he needs to get outside, can I reach block my man and just kind of pin him inside a little bit so we can get around the corner? Once again, I'm not expecting him to be an offensive tackle or a guard, but if he's good enough, it is like having another lineman on the field it allows us to really use all of our running plays, which is important. All right, let's, uh, that's what we think about the position, what we look for, and those key attributes. Let's get to our conversations because I think you're going to enjoy these. Our first conversation, uh, uh, one of the better general managers in the National Football League, you look at the track record of Tom Telesco with the Chargers and what he's done uh, being able to draft successfully, including uh, someone we're going to talk to a little bit later on in the show. You mentioned Hunter Henry. Uh, here's our conversation about the tight end position with Chargers GM Tom Telesco. When you're looking at, at that position, all the great ones that you've been around, and you can run through some of those names because you've been around some all-time greats, uh, but just trying to find some things in common uh, with the great tight ends you've had a chance to be around and study. Well, you know, you know, with every position, a lot of it's just the makeup and the character and the work ethic, the drive, the, the desire. you got to have all of that. But as far as the actual on the field, uh, the tight end position, uh, it's, it's getting more and more difficult to project those players from the college level because there are very few that do everything that, that we want them to do at this level. The college game is so spread out and so many tight ends in college uh, are split out as receivers. And we have to teach, teach them a little bit how to go from a three-point stance on the line of scrimmage and teach them how to block. Um, but uh, you know, we're, looking, we're looking for well-rounded players in that position. You have to be able to hold your own at the line of scrimmage as a blocker. And you have to be a pass catcher you know, who, can, who can stretch the field, hopefully. And uh, but the biggest thing is be able to separate from tight coverage and, and get open and catch the ball and have hands. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a lot that's asked for in that position. It's almost like a Superman position. You have to be able to run and catch like a receiver and you have to be able to block like an offensive lineman. So those guys are very, very hard to find. And uh, like I said, we like them well-rounded. Um, it's hard to always find that. You know, we have a tight end here, Hunter Henry, that is, is a well-rounded tight end, so. um, can do a little bit of both and do it well. Um, but you have to supplement, some, supplement that sometimes with maybe a tight end that is better on the receiving part of it and, maybe it, and then add another tight end that's better on the blocking part of it and try and put it all together. But uh, it's a difficult position to scout uh, for us. And, um, but if you can find one, like we've, we have one of Hunter Henry that we like, uh, you're very lucky. Yeah, no doubt, one of the more complete tight ends. The National Football League poised for a huge year. I want to go to Antonio Gates. You got a chance to be around for a very long time. And you mentioned it being able to separate from tight coverage. I think uh, one of the more overrated things you're looking at tight end position over the last few years and you go through the data is the 40 time. You can almost kind of throw that out. It's a lot more about the, the short area quickness and can you separate uh, when you get to the top of the route. And a lot of people historically have pointed to a basketball background, not just with Antonio Gates, with Tony Gonzalez, with a bunch of these guys. How do you 
you see that sport, you know, being a big basketball fan, translating at that position? Oh, I think it translates a lot. I mean, like you, you mentioned those guys, Jimmy Graham was another one. Um, you know, because sure. running around from the tight end position involves, um, it's, a, it's a lot of contact with linebackers, with safeties, and it's you have to have a good feel for, for uh, leverage, uh, using your body to, to kind of box out and uh, to be able to catch in traffic, just like you're going up for a rebound in traffic um, against other people. So, um, and, and you're right, Antonio has all those, the short area quickness in the field to get open. Um, it's hard to have both, and that's why Antonio will be in the Hall of Fame and Tony Gonzalez, among <laughs> others, uh, to kind of add the instincts, the feel to get open, but also having that short area quickness to really separate from linebackers, from safeties. Um, maybe not having that top end speed. I mean, I don't even know if we had a 40 time on Antonio Gates coming out of college. Um, now, he's faster than he looks sometimes, um, but what, what he really mm -hmm. has with separates him is his separation quickness. Um, even last year, you could see it in the playoff game against the Patriots, um, to see the, his quick separation from people down the field. Um, and that's the, what you have to have. And then, like you said, you add in the field, the instincts, and the hands, and the toughness and concentration to catch in traffic because as a tight end, boy, a lot of your balls are caught in between the hashes, and, uh, which is going to involve a lot of concentration, a lot of toughness to finish those balls. And, uh, um, yeah, so that, that's, I think that basketball background does help, and you know, there's a good amount of tight ends that are like that in the league, and um, probably more and more moving forward. I'd be curious just to know when you're, when you're building your draft board at that position, you know, at the, it, gosh, I would say very early on when I, when I started scouting, you've been doing it longer than I, when I started, but in 2003, 2004, um, we started putting that separate column up there for nickel corners. And so you had your corners, then we separated the nickel guys yep. with the inside yep. guys. And then it kind of got to the point where you're doing that with slot receivers. You had your, your X and you had your slot receivers. At the tight end position, you mentioned you want somebody that's well-rounded that can do everything, but the college game is not giving you many of those well-rounded guys do you separate them right. on the board between hey this is a this is a flexed out guy or this is a move guy versus this is a pure inline wide tight end yeah we do we do it and that's uh that goes all the way back um bill polling and dominelli when i was coming up um in scouting they had always done that we have two different columns for tight ends we have split into basically um, a receiving type tight end and a blocking type tight end. And if, if you're lucky enough to have both, we just put you in, in the athletic uh, tight end category. But yeah, we split out the <laughs> tight end groups. Just to Kevin, just so you know, when you look at the board, what the style of that player is right off the bat, depending on what column he's in. We do the same thing at receiver. We have three different columns for receivers, um, two different columns for corners and for some other positions. Just so you know, hey, this is the style of their play. Um, now, that doesn't mean if you have a tight end as a blocking type tight end that he can't, you know, run and catch a little bit, uh, but it's telling you, hey, this is the style of player. And uh, like, like I said, this game is, is very specific as far as what the roles those players will play. And uh, yeah, we've always done that for the tight end on our draft board, and that goes back, you know, 20 plus years. I love that. Again, you want to be able to look at that board and get a visual of what a player is. It's a, it's a card, it's a piece of paper, and now with all these digital boards, I guess it's projected. Um, but to be able to see what he is and what he does, I think that's, that's, that's the way to do it. Yeah, we're, we're still on magnets here. Are you? Yeah, we're still oh, on man, magnets I, here. Did, yeah, you have, just, did, you, did you ever have to print them out when you started out? That was one of my first gigs. Heck oh, yeah. what a miserable chore that oh, was. Well, I mean, it was, it was printing them out, and then, um, you know, our, our draft cards have a lot of information on them, and a lot of it is, it used to be with, with, uh, with a Sharpie, um, putting different designations oh, yeah. on there, different colors. We used to write different things on there. So 
when you looked up at the board, that board could literally talk to you. And you, I mean, we have everything in the computer we always have, but to be able to sit there draft day or even sitting in a meeting to look up at the board, see a card and get a feel for that player just by looking at that card. I, I'm a big visual person, I love that. Um, nowadays, we can have a print, we can have those labels print out with everything on there already. So um, all you gotta do mm -hmm. is uh, pull it off and stick it on the magnet. But uh, yeah, going back a ways, um, a lot of it was manually written on the, on the cards. And uh, I think it's a good way to do it. I think if it was a digital draft board, I think it would look really clean, it would look great. But I think you lose some of that, <laughs> um, that feel of actually doing that manual work and you remember it in your head rather than just you know, turning a button on and you have all the cards up on the board. But you know, I guess I may look young, but I'm still a little bit old school when it comes to how those draft cards go up on the board. I like that. Look, I like it as long as you're not the one that has to constantly print them out and give yourself a million paper cuts trying to thread those things through the, through the magnets there. It's a dangerous, hey, that, it's a, it's a dangerous that, occupation there, man. <laughs> that's how you move your way up the ladder. That's how I started. You have to start at the bottom, move your way up. Last one, because this just brought me to a different story. We had we had an incident one time uh, when I was in Baltimore. We did the red star, black dot. So every, every scout got to put the red star on one player. Uh, guy, you just want it on the team. You put the black dot on one player, right. no matter what, you didn't want him. So there was a linebacker. I won't say who it was. He was supposed to go in like the top two, three rounds. And he had a black dot from our area scout. And, uh, and, and the owner's in the room and all that. And you kind of see that black dot. Like, that's a do not touch. Well, Tom, we start getting right. into the fourth round, and we get into the fifth round. By the time we got to the sixth round, uh, one of the powers that be kind of whispered over and said, we need to get a new card for that linebacker. Go ahead and remove that black dot. <laughs> it's the sixth round right now. He's been punished enough. <laughs> you know what? For we, we do some similar things, but uh, if we have a black dot guy on the board, I'd rather just move that guy off the board. I want, I want our staff and yeah. everybody invested in that pick. Um, if there's a player that we just think he does not fit for whatever reason it is, um, we'll just move him off the board. We got plenty of players to pick from. I mean, our, our final draft board is probably less than 150 players in the end. So uh, I've got no problems if, if we don't feel a guy fits. If he's a black dot guy, I'll move him off before draft day so we don't have that, that same problem where you're looking at a car sitting up there that, like, you don't really want him, but you feel like, well, you know, everybody else has him higher. Maybe we should take him. Well, you know, for us, that probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> Well, moral of the story is that player did not work out. So you stick by your guns. You put a black dot there you on go. the player You're right. you do not touch. There that you means go. you do not touch. Yep. Lesson learned. That's uh, right. Hey, man, I appreciate so much uh, you giving me uh, your time. And I look forward to visiting with you out there at Chargers camp. All right, Buck, well, you get a chance to talk to, to Tom. He's got a great feel for really every position on the field. But I love what he said about the tight end position and specifically talking about that multi-sport aspect of the position and specifically basketball and how that translates. Oh, I mean, I think it translates very, very well. He has seen it firsthand with Antonio Gates being a guy that has been a dominant player after entering the league as an undrafted free agent coming from Kent State, being a basketball player, learning how to play that post-up game. When you have the success that we've seen these basketball players have, whether it's Antonio Gates, I'm playing with Tony Gonzalez, who I played with in Kansas City, him being a dominant player, Jimmy Graham being a guy that has become a dominant player. There's a reason to look at those power forward types in basketball and see if they have some value. And more importantly, for all tight ends, do they have the ability to put their, their, their butt on you and box you out and create <laughs> space yeah. and really expand the strike zone for the quarterback? Because when you find one of those tight ends that can do it over the middle of the field, he's invaluable to the offense because he does allow you to have a guy that you know you can lean on to move the chains. All right, no doubt. Well, let's, uh, let's get to our next conversation. Somebody, Tom Telesco, 
uh, knows very well. That is Hunter Henry, his young tight end. And keep in mind, after that, we're going to get a chance to talk with Anthony Beck. You're going to want to stick around for that one as well. Uh, he had some interesting things to say. But here's Chargers tight end, Hunter Henry. Passing play, looking left, rolling left, goes up top. End zone, Hunter Henry. Hey, now. Touchdown, Chargers. Well, Hunter, I just got a chance to, to speak with your boss there and Tom Telesco talking about this tight end position. And, uh, and obviously your name came up in the conversation. I want to go back to your story, though, uh, beginning in high school, because when you're looking at the evolution of a tight end and how you grow and groom a tight end, uh, you didn't even play the position in high school, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, I was actually a receiver. So that kind of morphed into, I mean, it was, I was a tight end receiver a little bit. So I just kind of, um, I learned a lot about, I think the past concepts and different things like that, um, in high school, but we were a spread running gun kind of team. So really didn't put my hand in the dirt until I was in college. Um, so I had a, a lot to learn pretty quick, but, um, felt like I picked it up good. Yeah, what was that transition like? A lot of guys make that transition from, from college to the NFL. You got a chance to put your hand on the ground there uh, at Arkansas. But what was that adjustment period like? And what's it like for guys making that adjustment uh, going to the league? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely tough. It's different. Um, I think the whole um, mental side of things, too, um, it's just at the tight end position. I think it's uh, they put a lot on us, especially in the NFL. Um, you know, we, we're asked to do a lot of different things. So um, you have to be you know, you definitely have to be pretty smart. Uh, you definitely have to work hard at the middle side of the game to be able to go out there and execute. But I think the second part of it is just footwork and the little things. It's like blocking is very little. Um, it's very detail-oriented. So um, that's the biggest thing, I think, is just picking up the details, uh, just footwork, hand placement, different things like that helps you a lot. And just the blocking and um, the run game side of things when, when you get to the tight end position. But, you know, a lot of those guys are running routes and doing different things. So, once they get to the league, it's it's pretty easy on that side of things, I feel like. I'm fascinated by the fact of uh, of what you guys are asked to do with the position because one play you can be in line, next play you're flexed out. Uh, we're seeing now a lot of guys kind of replacing that fullback position with how they can use you. Uh, in terms of practice and in your development, you, how do you spread all those things out and become good at each and every one of them? Yeah, it's huge. Um, I mean, that, that's one thing I think I try to focus on is just try to be able to do everything because that allows you to be on the field every single down, every single play. And also, you know, it's hard for defenses. They don't know what's what's going to happen. So that's the biggest thing for me. I think it's I think it's just especially when you go into training camp, I think it's trying to focus on each one of those things. Maybe every single day is pick a thing every single day. Maybe like, all right, today I'm really I really want to work on my run blocking. I really want to work on my hand placement and my footwork today. The next day it's like, all right. I want to work on, I want to work on uh, my my routes especially. Like I just, I, I still want to continue on working with my run blocking, but my emphasis today is, um, I want to be really detailed on my routes, my depth, um, getting in and out of my breaks, my releases, different things like that. So I think it's each day breaking down something different that you can do um, to make yourself better. When we're looking at the position and evaluating the position, you know, some of the things we're looking for, uh, a guy's quickness, his ability to separate at the top of his routes, and it's also, I think, more of a field position in the passing game, maybe than any other position uh, that's involved in the passing game. In terms of mm -hmm. developing that comfort and that, the instincts and the feel, working in zones, is that something that you kind of have or you don't have, or is it something you can build on and improve? I think you definitely, uh, I think some people just kind of have it. Um, and then I think, I think it's definitely, you can definitely uh, work on it and build on it. I think it's the more you play. So I think it's the more you're out there and the more you're, I guess, doing it, 
Um, for me, at least, that's that's how it was. And just the more I see it, the more I do it, um, I'm, I'm better for it, definitely. You get a chance to to play with Antonio Gates, who's going to go into the Hall of Fame, and you're kind of have come up in this era where we've seen so many great tight ends. Uh, I know you get a chance to study Antonio on the practice field uh, during your time with the Chargers, but outside of him, looking around the league, is there any other guys that you pay attention to on crossover tape or in the offseason that, uh, that you're studying and learning from? Oh, man, I, I try to watch as many guys as I can. Uh, you know, I grew up watching uh, Tony Gonzalez, uh, Witten, um, different guys like that. But I think nowadays, I mean, I just like to pick up different things from all different kind of guys. Kelsey, um, Ertz, I love what Ertz is doing. Um, Delaney Walker is a guy I love to watch. I mean, he, he's different. We're definitely different body types for sure. But still, you can always you can always put, I think, little things in your game. You're not going to obviously mirror what they're doing, but you can just kind of watch what they're doing and try to learn and try to put that into your game. So, um those are a few guys that I, I, I think I've, uh, I've watched and uh, enjoyed uh, kind of studying their tape. How about the, the point of attack? You know, working in the run game is something that, man, there's tremendous value. We saw TJ Hawkinson go uh, very high coming out of Iowa this year because his ability as a two-way player there in the pass game as well as in the run game. As a point of attack player, uh, just walk us through as an evaluator, what should we be looking for when you're evaluating that side of the game? A lot of times you say, look, you just give me a stalemate, just try and, and, and mirror and, and yeah. wall a guy off. But what do you pay attention to when you're studying other guys and what can we focus on? Yeah, I think uh, obviously at the tight end position, you know, we're going to get some bigger dudes uh, sometimes. And so it's not you're not always going to get, you know, a lot of movement. You're not going to just blow dudes off the ball. Um, but you, I definitely watch uh, technique. Um, I think you can definitely watch like your footwork um, and just kind of knowing what they're doing. Um, with the hand placement, different things like that. So for me, footwork and hand placement is huge. Um, I think those two things will take you farther than anything. Obviously, too, leverage is a big part. So if you're lower than the guy, especially when we're blocking a bigger guy, you, you definitely need to be lower than him. So, um, you know, you can definitely tell. I, I think the 49ers are a team that we actually watched this offseason that – uh, with Kittle and the other guy, I'm trying to think of his name. I think it was Selick, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, yeah, Selick. But them to, yeah, them together. Uh, we just watched a lot of their zones and just how they were like opening up and different things like that and just watched their footwork and hands and just how they were working to the second level. So um, you definitely can watch not just pass, you know, passing schemes, but we, you, know, you can watch some guys uh, run blocking and pick up a lot of stuff and put that into your game. You talk about the, the run game and watching the 49ers front side, back side. It seems to me one of the challenges at that position is you got to have enough strength to be able to set the edge on the front side. But then what you guys are asked to do on the back side, that's where uh, angles, athleticism all comes into play. Oh, yeah, it's uh, that's one of the hardest blocks in the game for sure. Um, it's, it's it's tough. Uh, so you're, you're just, you know, Blocking is, is kind of a one-two, um, and, and that's just that's kind of how I looked, have always looked at it. Is like, do you really want to do it? You know, some guys don't want to do it. So sticking your head in there and really wanting to do it, that's that's kind of one of the biggest things of blocking, um, and just giving all effort. I mean, if you're giving all you can, you have, but you got to work on the technique. But if you have that technique and you're giving all out effort, usually you're going to be pretty successful on a lot of those blocks. So. Um, that's you know the backside is is tough um you, you know it's it's not sometimes the most fun block but uh every once in a while when that thing cuts back right off your butt it's 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 an awesome feeling 
curious what you guys do because of all the contact you're going to receive down the field in the passing game. Uh, what are some of the drills you do try and replicate that? Because uh, obviously strength at the contact point is huge at the tight end position. And how have you grown and developed in that area? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of bodies in there, especially when your hand hands on the ground, you're in three point, and you're having to do a lot of releases and get across the field and different things like that. So, um, I, you know, we have a lot of those tall dummies. I think we, we work on uh, just second re second level releases in our drills, um, and it really does pay off. I think just just the small things. Um, we also have our coaches kind of mirror us in, in, in individual drills where we're working on second level releases. Um, obviously, you have the first level where you, you, you kind of have to beat the guy, but the second level is sometimes the biggest one where you can create separation and uh, win. So that, that part, I think, in individual drills and just with our coaches helps a lot. Uh, how about last thing here on the off offseason? Um, obviously, a lot of time during this period of time, develop some chemistry and camaraderie there with your quarterback and Phillip Rivers. I don't. I know Phillip's not on like Instagram, Instagramming out videos, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say you guys have gotten together a little bit in the off season. What do those workouts uh, look like, and what do you guys work on? Yeah, we have actually. Um, I was actually down in Florida. He kind of he has a place down there and goes down there a bunch. So I actually met up with him. I got to work out with a couple times. So um, it's kind of a place I grew up going to. And uh, but it's I mean any time with Phil is is, um, is super valuable. So you know and just building that relationship, building that chemistry, especially after missing last year. I think it's huge. Just continuing to build from where we left off. I think um, I feel like we we kind of know each other just even in that short amount of time that we you know been together um obviously it's not gates and, and gates and rivers and like that but um it's it, you know it's pretty easy to pick up from from like what he wants and different things like he does that he wants from us um so it's it's always fun to be with him uh pick his brain and just be around him well i can't thank you enough for your time i know you're busy getting ready for the season i'll see you out there at the at chargers camp here in a couple weeks honor appreciate you man all right man how are you going thanks for having me on all right, Buck, listening to Hunter there, one of the things jumped out to me is, is the intelligence aspect uh, of the position. I don't think people realize how much you have to know and to be able to execute at that tight end position. Because it's a hybrid position. You're literally joining two position groups into one. You're taking the offensive line, and you're taking a guy and asking him to be a wide receiver. So he has to know everything that you need to know in the running game. He has to be able to block like an offensive lineman. He has to know the adjustments and checks based on the front but he also needs to be very aware of what's going on in the passing game. Routes, timing, where I need to be on the field, the awareness that comes with how do I sit down into progression, all of those things. And so from an IQ standpoint, you have to have guys who have great football intelligence and a great understanding of how to kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together. I think that position, too, has, um, I would say, some more creativity baked into it. You're going to see a lot more option routes, a lot more routes where you need your tight end to be on the same page as your quarterback. I, I almost think if, you, if you're setting up training camp and where these guys sometimes have to room with one another, you don't just get your own room. I think I would always ask my quarterback and my tight ends to room with one another. Oh, well, I mean, one, the easiest throw for the quarterback is in the middle of the field because it's the shortest distance. So having a big tight end that you can trust, you need to be on the same page with him. Also, because they need to be in lockstep when it comes to those option routes. We have heard, anyone who hasn't heard the Jason Witten interview when he's explaining awesome. why option yeah. or uh, the level of detail, not only that he had, but Jason Garrett describing how Jason Witten could go through and do the presentation on why option tells you and shows you the intelligence that you have to have to play the position. It's a key position. It's one that's increasing in prominence as the league continues to trend towards a passing uh, league.
All right, that was uh, fun to catch up there with Hunter Henry. By the way, prediction, he stays healthy for all 16. He'll oh, he's be, a he'll be a player. pro bowler. Absolutely. He's, he is very talented, uh, somebody to help out in the run game as well. All right, our next guest, Anthony Becht. Uh, this is a fun conversation. Get a chance to, to really dive into the specifics of the position. And I sometimes I always feel like we need to educate the folks. If they don't already know, we assume people know, you know some of the terminology. And talking with Anthony Becht, you know, he's talking about a nine route, and I, I think people that don't know about the route tree. Why don't you just explain what the route tree is real quick before we get to this interview? Yeah, so the route tree is something that, man, has been around for years. And, and typically, when you think about the route tree, the easiest way to explain it, odd numbers typically break outside, mm. even numbers break inside. And as you're climbing up the ladder from one to nine, it goes from short routes to deeper routes. The nine route is the deepest route that you can get because it's a vertical route. It is the go ball. It is a, I'm taking off. Some people would call it the fly pattern. But there's some nuance to being able to be a great route runner on those nine routes, being able to climb and eat up cushions, step on a defender's toes, set them up so you can get by them, and then stack them where uh, we talk about uh, a wide receiver being like a car where you have headlights and taillights, and when you get past <laughs> them, put the defender in your taillights. I love that. Um, the detail that you need to understand when it comes to running routes is, is really essential, and for tight ends, it is tough because you're asking a guy who is a pseudo-offensive lineman to go and do things that you expect the guys on the perimeter to be able to do. It's hard to find guys that can do all of those things. All right, here's a fun conversation with Anthony Beck, someone who played a long time in the National Football League and one of the better blocking tight ends we've seen in the last several years. Curtis Martin deeply set, Pennington short drop, looks left, lobs it, and caught wide open. Touchdown, Jets! Back to tight end, found himself a mile open. We're talking about the tight end position. Who better to talk to than somebody that uh, was a first-round pick, spent 11 years in the National Football League uh, at the position. So, Anthony, I'm going to give you the, a softball here. You can brag on your position. How smart do you have to be to play tight end? Oh, wow. I mean, you know, I think this day and age at the tight end position, uh, especially when I was playing, you know, under the offensive uh tutelage of guys like John Gruden and then, uh, you know, doing a little bit of the digit system in St. Louis. Uh, to me, you know, you got to be multifaceted. Number one, you got to understand multiple positions. So you got to be able to play the game like an offensive lineman. You have to be able to run routes similar to wide receivers. And then as far as, you know, when you're talking about West Coast systems, the, the multitude of different types of uh, shifts and movements and where you're at, you're usually the piece that, you know, you kind of see moving all around. I mean, you look at a guy like uh, uh, Kelsey, who, you know, in Kansas City and Andy Reid system, mm -hmm. you know, he's almost a joker. I mean, he's everywhere. And that's beneficial if you can do all those things, plus be an inline backer, excuse me, inline blocker. So, you know, to me, I just feel like uh, what, you, what you're being asked to do at that position in offenses that understand that it can be a definite advantage for you is, is sky's the limit. If you're a smart tight end, you can definitely handle more stuff. You can be more productive, I think, in the offense that you're playing in. I really think it's underrated. I think it's one of the reasons why some of these guys can't get on the field at the NFL level because you see a fantastic athlete, but there's so much that goes into knowing not only the passing game, the run game, uh, at that tight end position, there's a lot on your plate. Uh, another eye I want to talk to you about instincts, um, just the importance of instincts, understanding space, understanding how to maneuver uh, in and around space and make yourself big. Can you just uh, touch on the importance of instincts at that position? Yeah, so, you know, you look at, the way different tight ends play the game now. And, and I'll just kind of go with like a Gronk and, and a Witten. You know, th those are two guys that to me, yeah. when you look at Jason Witten play, 
He's not fast, you know, but he understands the techniques and the spacing and the leverage of the defender that he's playing against. And he utilizes that in his routes all the time. Now, if he were just to run out there and you clocked it and you say, okay, well, it, it probably wouldn't be, you know, some of your great route running as far as the speed is concerned. But as far as getting open, he's been phenomenal. Gronk, another guy, as you've seen him over his years and he's been banged up, he's been able to position his body, use his strength to really just kind of, uh, suck the ball in at, at any point on the field, and Tom Brady just puts it in, a, in an area where he can go get it, and he does. And, you know, those are far in between. You don't find those kind of guys all the time. Uh, you know, instincts to me, uh, it comes down to what can you get pre-snap. It's very similar to the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. The most successful quarterbacks, obviously, from the time they leave the huddle and their guys line up and they understand shifts and where their guys are going and what the defense may or may not be doing, it's the same thing for that half of the football field for the tight end because you have to release over, you know, depending on a nine technique defensive end or a head up technique or a seven inside and how you're going to get in your round and how do you maneuver getting through the linebackers and, you know, what did you see on tape that they normally do when you release? What kind of run fake you're getting? Is that going to help you? You know, all those pieces, if you're a good tight end, you put that all together and then now you get into the second level. Where's the safety? So, you know, for me, it was like, oh, you know, when you're a tight end, now you got to worry about everybody. It really isn't. It's it's really taking that half of the field and understanding what's there at each level and how you can combat that. And having that instinct and getting that feel, and a lot of that's film study. You know, there's so many different levels of the position in all positions to be great. But if you can f- study the film great and know your opponent, that, that's going to be half the battle as well when you're running those routes and doing those things on the field, whether you be blocking or running uh, uh, pass routes. We talk about uh, the running back position. We use that phrase contact balance a lot. You know, can you maintain your balance through contact? And uh, you look at the tight end position. uh, There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of mud. Uh, You're catching the ball in a lot of traffic. So uh, contact strength, being able to catch the ball in in crowds and absorb contact. Is that something you see that guys either have? uh, Can it be taught? And how important do you view that in the evaluation of the position? Well, when you're you're talking about contact, it's, you know, okay, lowering your shoulder, running into a guy, that's not exactly what it means. It means, you know, how quickly can you press off, you know, get that impact off and and release yourself from that defender? Because let's be honest, all linebackers and safeties are going to hold you, right, Dan? And we know that. That's how they do it. That's the only way (laughs) they can guard a good tight end is if they grab you. And you've got to counter that with a few punches. Uh, yourself, you know, and we always say don't extend the arm, but you get that, uh, you flip the elbow in, uh, you know, you kind of get them leaning a little bit, you know, you utilize uh, the press in your, the top of your route to get them going one way so that, yeah, there's contact there, but you're getting them off leaning a certain way now that you get that nice press and separation. So, you know, the, the art of the game is really, you're right, makes the difference and where the players are on the field in their career. Are they a good player? Are they a great player? Are they an elite player? And those tiny details, those little things, the things that Witten does or Gonzalez did, those are the things that really separate guys. And then, you know, once in a while, you're going to find the complete tight end like a Gronkowski. And there's some other tight ends. You know, I look at a guy like Nick Boyle. You know, I trained Nick Boyle when he came out of college. And I, I instantly saw a guy that was going to be probably the best blocking tight end in the NFL. Let's be honest. If he's not that, then he's, he's pretty close to it. But yet, you know, he's right able there. to run some intermediate routes, be effective, uh, and do some things in the passing game as well. And I think the NFL, to me, still wants that tight end. I think from the fans and, and you look at um, the fantasy football, everybody loves those numbers. and Everybody wants to see those acrobatic basketball catches. But I think from an offensive coordinator standpoint and what they're trying to accomplish, anytime I can keep – 
the the offensive tackle off my double tight end set and I can use, for instance, like the Buccaneers with Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard, that is really, really tough to defend. You're talking about limiting defenses on what they can do, and now you're talking about two guys that can can block and, and do some things, really good things in the passing game. So, uh, again, t- what level of tight end do you want to be? How do you want to work your craft? You know, I got a good experience with the AAF coaching tight ends under Mike Martz's system in San Diego. And it just I loved it. I loved, you know, allowing a guy to understand the position a little better maybe than he learned in college because the college tight end that's coming out right now. And I don't want to say he's he's being cheated by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not being able to learn the intricacies of the position. And he's really being treated like an inside receiver almost with a lot of these spread systems and some of the things they're doing. So the stuff that was easy for me and the stuff that I worked on, you know, for, for years and day one, those things become ultimately important for tight ends that come out of the league now. And you see a huge, I saw huge drastic steps taken by, by, by our set of tight ends at, a, at our team, just on working those fundamentals, mm-hmm. not being able to kind of do those for, for the years that they were in college. And you see those big jumps. So I think teams, desperately want the all-around complete tight end and when they come around you know these you look at a Hawkinson I mean uh, I think the best yeah. clip that we've seen on him in college was when he played Indiana and blocked that guy 10 yards down the field <laughs> Jeremiah that was my game and the only reason why there was a camera oh you call that I told yeah I told the camera guys to put that camera right on him the entire game because you're going to get some of that oh, and then ultimately you. when people saw that boom and they're like wow that is unbelievable and I, I, I was as excited on TV as if somebody caught a one-handed catch for 50 yards down the field. So uh, it's just an unbelievable accomplishment when you see those a guy like that do those things and he can run routes and stretch the field. Man, you got you got to swoop those guys up. They're going to be impact players. Yeah, no doubt. Hard to find those guys. That's actually the clip that I requested when he got picked. That that was uh, definitely part of the pack. <laughs> I knew you'd like showed. that one. <laughs> there was a couple against. It was a couple against Illinois. They were pretty nasty too. I don't know if you called that game yeah. as well, but oh I my did gosh! Not, no. <laughs> uh, talk about being able to talk about being able to finish, dudes. Uh, you you mentioned you referenced uh, your your time coaching there in the AAF. So having played the position, having coached the position, I'm just curious because so many of these guys are detached. Uh, so few of these yep. guys actually put their hand on the ground like Hawkinson and those guys at Iowa got a chance to do. How different is the game when you're standing up, basically functioning as a slot receiver for the first time to have to go in the NFL level against grown men and put your hand on the ground? Well, you know, from my experience, I, I wasn't detached too much from West Virginia. I was considered a quote-unquote complete tight end. But when I got to the league, I just – the speed of movement from the second and third level players w- was mind boggling to me. I just remember running some early routes, you know, my first uh, first year and just seeing basically just blurs of color running in front of me. And I really had no concept <laughs> of my depth of my route. I was just uh, hoping that I was going to get to the point where I needed to be. And then by then, you know, the ball's whizzing in your face. You know, Vinny Testaverde's throwing rockets at you. And you're like, oh, I got to catch the ball now. So there is uh, an element of adjustment for, for college players. I mean, you know, the guys that can do both. I mean, a guy like O.J. Howard, who came out of college from Alabama, did both of those things, was able to get in line, uh, you know, move, get in the backfield, extend. You know, a lot of guys are, are extended now and coming out of college. And the pros, I think they're a little more adjusted to that you know, like an Ingram for, for, for the Giants. I mean, a guy that can go out there yeah. and, and kind of utilize his, his specialty in space. And if you can do both, I'm telling you now, uh, those tight ends will last in the NFL. And if they can stay healthy and learn how to block and institute that in their game, they can extend their career. So, you know, I had my football camp and Brent Selleck was there talking to the kids in Philadelphia. And, you know, he was saying, listen, you know, I, I wasn't a highly drafted guy. And 
when I came to the league, I was able to run some routes, catch some balls. But, you know, after year six, seven, I figured out how to block and become a blocker. And, and that's really what happened to me. I mean, I, I would have been out of the league in seven years if I didn't put put the, the work in to become an inline blocker that could dominate an end. And instead of trying to win 25, 30 percent of the time, maybe 65, 70 percent of the time is the clip that you're able to have. And that is huge when you're talking about being able to get a mm-hmm. guy like Mawai in space and go black, uh, block uh, Zach Thomas without being, you know, nicked on the shoulder by the defensive end or anything like that, or or getting the fullback in that in that um, that alley position to get the safety when it's free and clear. So, you know, to me, if you want to extend your career as a tight end, learn how to block. You, you're guaranteed double digits if you say if you stay healthy. All right, last question from me. If uh, we're tasked with evaluating this position and you get to get your hands on a kid, you get to work out with them, and, and maybe you can put them through one or two drills. Uh, in your opinion, what are the one or two drills that are the best evaluation tools for us? Uh, well, you know, for me, I always want to see what kind of hip strength they have. You know, I want to see how they explode out of their hips. Uh, it was interesting. I was over at the XFL uh, Tampa Bay Combine yesterday, and they, they have these X-factor drills that they were doing along with the normal Combine stuff that we've seen for years. And they actually did almost like a triple – uh, long jump kind of thing. And it kind of showed you the depth of their pull, how high they're able to get their knees up and then kind of explosion out, you know, from distance. And I, I thought that showed a lot for offensive mm-hmm. linemen and tight end. Now, when I'm on the field and I'm coaching a guy, no matter what we do every single day, we start our all fours on the ground and we're constantly launching up into about a 45 angle through a bag with a guy leaning on it and shooting our hips Mm. through the bag down into the ground and always have your all your hips always have to hit the ground first and almost like a pendulum Mm. like this so when you're in your stance and you come out and shoot out you should be able to roll your hips in the middle point there onto the ground to me that they got to feel that they got to understand where the power comes from the next thing is you know when you engage in contact for really any offensive lineman or tight end you know, where does your power come from? No, one, A lot of guys don't know that. They just assume, you know, you, you shoot your hands on them and bam. You've got to get your second step on the ground and time that up with your hand yep. placement on a defender. Now, if tight ends can utilize that with the snap count and get off with speed when you're blocking a 300-pounder, which you're normally not going to be able to block and win most of the time, those three things right there, if you can put those things together, two steps on the ground, get your hands on a guy on the second step, and shoot your hips and do that right at the snap count, you're going to at least get a stalemate, right? Because you can get yourself in a position to win. You're going to have leverage on your defender. And most of the time you should be able to get a little push and uh, you know, it it works. I mean, and, but they got to build habits. There's a lot of bad habits going on right now. Mm -hmm. And that just comes with time. Most more importantly, there's not enough time to teach. You know, when I was playing in the NFL before the new CBA, and I have one year with the new CBA, is you're allowed to stay after practice. I work with the coach, and I would do some extra things. Heck, they got another camera watching you now, and you got to get off the field, and you can only be on there in a certain <laughs> amount of time. And, and that, that, as you well know, uh, you know, the young players struggle with that, and that's a problem. So, uh, you know, those guys got to learn how to do some things on their own and get that work in in the offseason. Uh, you know, having that extra month to start instead of mid-March, now mid-April, Utilizing your time in the offseason as a young player, you've got to make huge strides in your game 
when you're not at the f- football facility. And I think sometimes it's very easy for guys to maybe go do these workouts with these uh, secondary assisted type lifts, these jumping things, and not really do true technique-driven drills to help you get better. And sometimes they're a little unorthodox stuff that you have to do, but those are the things. Like how can you uh, manufacture strength, power, explosion, in those simple movements to make yourself a better tight end. And those are the things I try to mold my whole regime around. And I'm just, you know, young in this thing, how to teach it. I know how to do it, but to teach it and get somebody else to do it and see them do it, that's kind of the key. And that, those are kind of the core things that I try to start with every day, at least when I was with uh, the team with the AAF. Well, that's phenomenal. You've you've played the position, you've coached the position, you're really working with a lot of these young guys as they're coming through. Uh, really, really appreciate your time today, Anthony. Got a, a bunch of notes taken down here. We're going to get better at uh, evaluating this tight end position. Thank you, man. Well, you know, Daniel, I also got the coach and I also got the experience to get fired. So I've been fired on all levels across the board, getting, yes. getting uh, let go of some uh, of my positions. So I've, it's come full circle for me, for sure. <laughs> Well, look, hey, raise your hand if you've been fired before. I got mine now. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> we've been there. Uh, thank you, brother. Hit them straight, man. I appreciate it, man. Great talking to you, man. All right, Buck. Well, there was a conversation uh, with Anthony Beck, somebody who's spent some time coaching the position. And, look, he, he played a long time, not because of what he does as a receiver, competent receiver, but an outstanding blocker, man. You can play a long time in this league if you can block as a tight end. You can play a long time because there's value to being able to have an edge blocker, a guy that can really control the line of scrimmage on the edges, dominate those defensive ends, keep those offensive outside linebackers rather at bay, and allow you to get around the corner. And so when you find a good tight end that can block because there's so few that can, I mean, you talk about being able to carve out a little niche that allows you to be a 10, 11-year veteran player like Anthony Beck was able to carve out. All right, let's get to it now. We're uh, getting toward the end of the podcast here, and this is in every single one of our episodes, whether we're talking quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, offensive line. Uh, at this point in time, we like to say who we believe is the prototype at the position. I've got a feeling that since Rob Gronkowski yeah, has moved tough. on, uh, there's a chance we might be na- uh, sitting on the same name here. But who do, who do you like? Well, I think the, the top tight in the game right now would be a guy like a Travis Kelsey. Yep. Uh, and Travis Kelsey is so special because he has the athleticism and the versatility of a wide receiver in space. He's a guy who can run all the routes on the route tree, but he also is capable of running bubble screens and some of the fancy routes that are normally not reserved for tight ends, and he's able to consistently put the ball in the paint. I believe he is now the new prototype at the position because he is that mismatched weapon. He is the guy that you can put anywhere in the formation, and you have to kind of trick up your coverage to make sure that you're accounting for him. He's a guy that I think you look to, if you're talking about the mold, he is the mold of the new tight end in the last football league. And I think if we're looking, and I agree with you, I think he is kind of the standard right now. If you're looking at just pure route runners at the position, I think Zach Ertz is, is in that That's the next discussion. guy that I had in mind. Zach, Especially Zach flex Ertz. him out and let him set people up, and he's outstanding at the top of his route. Zach Ertz is outstanding because he is a, a big jumbo wide receiver. He's a, a guy that is able to kind of create opportunities in the passing game because he can win outside against nickels and safeties and make plays. I think another guy is funny because this guy was a first-round pick, uh, didn't really do anything his first stop in Detroit, but he goes to Indianapolis. Oh, yeah, Eric Ebron, Ebron yeah. and the way that Frank Reich has been able to kind of unlock him. Frank Reich's experience with Zach Ertz gave him uh, a blueprint for how to utilize Eric Ebron, and we saw him respond with a Pro Bowl year. He is a guy that also could be considered one of those new prototypes at a position. I think you got to also mention George Kittle, who's coming off of a uh, big man, year. Coming off of a Again, somebody that, that really help you in the run game as well as what he does uh, in the passing game. So those are some of the prototypes we're looking at at the position. This has been a fun series, Buck. This is going to wrap up our offensive 
uh, side. We're going to get to the defensive side. We've got coming up uh, edge rushers as well as corners, which you're going to want to stick around and listen to those episodes as they drop. But, man, this has been a, a fun series. Again, I feel like we learned something in every one of these episodes. Oh, we absolutely have learned something. Like the, the insight that we've gained from guys who've either played the position, guys who have coached the position, guys who talk and study the position has been beneficial. I believe it makes us better scouts, and I think it'll make the, our listeners even better because now they're able to look and see exactly what the gold standard is for those respective positions. All right, no doubt. That's, uh, that's going to do it for us today as we continue through this series. It's been uh, really a fun task to kind of take this on and, and go through the, the offseason as we get ready for the regular season. Hopefully this educates you. You know what to look for when you're looking at these positions. Uh, he is Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. Thank you so much for listening to the Move the Sticks podcast presented by New Era. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.